0: بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله Al والصلاة والسلام على المصطفى الحمد لله منشي من الصلاة Mawla في القدمي مولا يصلي دائما أبدا على حبيبك خير الخلق My respected friends whilst the academic, the work and the school year is about to commence and in fact it has commenced it's already one or two weeks old There are many parents and many households that are faced with different, you know, decisions to make. And all of them will make their appropriate decisions depending upon what they feel is best for their children. And there is no household that will make their decision in their understanding what is negative for their child. It's it's human nature that everybody wants what is best for my child. They understand that they require a Muslim identity. They understand that they require a level of academics or acquired education that will allow them to pursue a career of their sort when it so comes. It all depends upon that very same household. But I think that there is one thing that every one of us is unanimous upon. That is the fact that the time that we are living in is a challenging time to be a believer in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And what we know and what we can acknowledge is as we get closer and closer towards qiyamah, it's not going to get any easier for a believer. And that's simply because what Rasulullah wasallam says, that a time will come, al-qabir, that a person who is holding upon to the iman, in one narration, al-mu'min, kal-qabir. That the believer is like that person who is holding on to a live coal. And it is as if that that coal is burning him and affecting him obviously from a physical pain point of view, but he does not want to let it go. Rasulullah wasallam in another narration tells us that towards the end of time, such will be the status of iman and belief amongst people. The common masses that is. That a person, Yusbihu Mu'minan, will see the morning as a believer, but for some worldly gain, for some purpose, whatever it may be, they will be prepared to sell that iman for a portion of the world by the time it's evening wa yumsi he will see the evening as a disbeliever. And the converse also sometimes a person will see the evening as a believer and see the morning as a disbeliever depending upon the state. The reference is that this will be the test that will come unto every believer. That test will be a personal test also. That an individual traveling, an individual staying in his hometown who is otherwise normally, alhamdulillah, a practicing Muslim who understands the value of their deen will find it difficult to practice upon a'mal and actions that they would otherwise, years before, consider easy for them. It will become more difficult for them somehow to practice upon the fundamentals of deen. That test, that fitna, will extend to the awlaad and the household of that person. Didn't Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam say, that in that conversation that he has with Jibreel salam in the famous hadith of Jibreel, that amat al That a female slave girl will give birth to her master or mistress. One interpretation of it is that such will be the status quo before Qiyamah. Such will be the condition of society before Qiyamah that parents will not be able to govern their children in any way. It is as if you brought into this world your own master, your own mistress, who's now telling you what to do. You work for them instead of anybody else working. or In other words, you are subservient to them rather than vice versa or vice versa. That is one of the signs of Qiyamah. The fact that it is a sign of Qiyamah it should all be more necessary for a believer to work to counter the negativity of what we see out there. So while people will make many, many decisions that where to put the child and what to do, and those decisions are in the best interest of their child, there is one common denominator and factor that every believer must have is that this child must grow up as a Muslim, with a Muslim identity, and with Muslim values as well. You know, I'll give you an idea of how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks of these type of values and interactions. The best way we know to learn and to, you know, gain education is to observe a conversation. You know, sometimes you the student... And then the teacher says, okay, fine, we're going to have a debate, pro and against. Somebody stand up for, somebody stand up against, whatever it is, taxes or, you know, and you'll prepare, you get one week to prepare. So team A debating team B, and here's a particular topic, worldly or otherwise related. So both of them are keen to gain the attention of the class. Both of them are keen to gain the respect of the teacher that became prepared for our subject. We're going to debate it out. Then there are other members of the audience who may not even be part of the class. It may be in front of the whole school. They are observers. They have come, you know, with a the, with the relaxed attitude because they're not participants. They're not in group A, not in group B. They're not the judge, they're not the teachers. But they will sit there and they will observe The pally from this side, and the response from that side, and the rebuttal from this side, and it will go on and on. But besides it simply being a means of the spending of their one hour, somehow years later, that particular exercise would have taught them much more than any book on the subject that they ever read. Human nature, that we are observant creatures. Storytelling, talking about where we came from, discussions, dialogues. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Qur'an al-Kareem appeals to us in exactly the same way. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala includes inside there dozens of conversations. Sometimes between friends, sometimes between (coughs) an enemy and a foe. And you know of the most often repeated genre or type of conversations that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has in the Qur'an al-Kareem, you know what that is? Father and son. Yusuf alayhi salat wasalam, Ya'qub alayhi salam, Lukman alayhi salat wasalam, and his son. Various other references of father and son here and there, but the two long ones, which represent, you know, where Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala says "Ahsanul Qasas" and where an entire surah is named after Surah Luqman, which covers a good portion of the Jews of the, you know, of the uh, of of of, of the of the chapter itself, Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala refers inside there a father and a son discussion. That's not the only parental discussion that takes place. Yaqub alayhi salam and his, you know, olad and his sons, Ibrahim alayhi salatu salam and Ismail alayhi salam, that, oh my dear son, I saw in a dream, anni adbahuk, that I am slaughtering you, fandhur madha tara. Father and son. Father and son conversation and all of them are with regards to imaniyat and social skills. In the case of Yusuf a.s., social skills. That oh my dear son... That don't tell your good fortune or your dream unto your brothers, because they may not mean well for you. And as a result, it happened whatever it happened. But in the case of Nuqman salam, in the case of Ibrahim salam, pure imaniyat, what is the value of your belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Ya abatif alma tu'mar, that, oh my dear father, do what you are commanded, because it is the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to do so. This very approach that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala presents, unto mankind. In the fountain of wisdom, there is no greater wisdom than the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is preserved by Allah, protected by Him, and there can be no change, and it represents the fakhr or the pride of this ummah till the end of time. You'll pick up 50 different versions of the Bible. You'll pick up dozens of different versions of the Talmud or the Torah, the Jewish holy text. But you can only pick up one Copy of the Quranic Kareem that may be recited by way of the, you know, of of the pronunciation differently, but by way of his writing and meaning exactly the same. The book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala appeals to the father and the son conversation inside there where the father is telling the son that, oh my dear son, la tushrik billah. What does Luqman the wise tell his son? That, oh my dear son لا تشرك بالله, do not ascribe partners with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala now one may think that obviously Luqman wasalam is a believer in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala his son being a young man is from the household of a Muslim father Luqman salatu here's the father, here's the son why would the father specifically tell the son, Oh my dear son, fine we are Muslims, but I'm warning you. La tushrik billah, Do not ascribe partners to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What's the, the lesson for the reader of that particular surah, surah Luqman? The lesson is that the father and the son conversation and lesson starts from the very basic, and you do not take it for granted that the basics are known. That in my household everybody knows to eat with the right hand. Therefore we don't need to revise the lesson any longer. Everybody knows that you need to enter the toilet like this, exit like this. They were taught like that by the institution. It doesn't need to be revised any longer. The fact that he is telling his son the basic fundamental of deen. It is an injunction and an instruction unto the ummah that the basics... Shirk and belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala must consistently be memorized and consistently be revisited even in a house where everybody is reading tahajjud for that matter. Even in a house where everybody is fasting Monday and Thursday, where everybody is doing... Sunnah and even mustahabbat seems to be the order of the day. But the fundamentals of thee need to be revisited as often as possible so that they will remain reinforced and reinforced over and over again. Don't ascribe partners to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then he tells his, you know, his son that even if you now search for that single mustard seed, fi sahratin in the middle of a rock, The day will come that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will bring a seed that is inside a rock fort. You know what he's teaching his son? Nothing about botany or geography or science, seed and a rock and this and that. He's teaching his son something more beyond that. There's something hidden inside that discussion. He's teaching his son accountability. That you can think that you can hide your secret somewhere here and there, put it in a rock, and the rock is in the middle of the bush or the desert somewhere, it's sealed, it's never ever going to come out. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will bring it, when He tells His Son, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will bring it forth, shows and is telling His Son, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this world or in the hereafter, has created something like accountability. So even if that seed be in the middle of a rock, the day will come that the rock will disintegrate. The seed will germinate and grow after hundreds of years because it has remained sealed and protected inside there. It will do its job just like that. Anything that you may conceal in this dunya, in this world will either be exposed now or in the hereafter. It is but the choice of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who is as-sattar and the coverer, who will do so in private, in camera as they say so that you will not be exposed but the day will come that you will have to acknowledge everything that you try to hide this is a lesson that he's telling his son a social lesson a lesson of imaniyat that's why an interesting scholar you know once a scholar i remember years back giving a talk on the raising of children and making right choices for them says that you know what the first child every man needs to raise is a child inside him. That child inside him needs to become a mature human being. And then you worry about the child that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave you to raise that child. Because if you're an accountable individual, a person who now knows that every secret of mine will be exposed, therefore the direction of my life needs to be in accordance to the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That type of father who understands the level of accountability in this world will become the best of father Father fathers because he has now looked after his own inner child. He knows there's no ducking and diving. He knows that ultimately Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will bring forth whatever secret they may ever be in this dunya, in this world. So these are the father and son conversations that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has in the Qur'an as a lesson for us. That what did the fathers who were anbiya alayhi salatu wasalam, who were the very best of the generation that they lived in, the very best that humanity could have ever produced, what type of values did they instill unto their child? They did instill unto their child the wisdom of speech and not to expose everything for that matter. Yaqub alayhi salat salam teaches his son, Yusuf alayhi salat, salam that fine, my dear son, you saw a good dream. But not everything that is good, that comes down unto you, you need to flash it and you need to expose it and you need to tell the whole world. There are certain things in life that you could keep to yourself. There are certain things in life from amongst the ni'mat and the bounties of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that you should be very, you should understand exactly when to discuss it, in which forum to discuss it. Should I talk to everybody? Should I talk to a select few? This is what he is telling his son that you now keep it unto yourself until you, your brothers, all of them are more mature to understand that the bounty of Allah is not something to get jealous about, but rather it is something to appreciate. Right now they're not of that level of understanding. He teaches him the important tact that no school will ever teach him. You can pay how much fees you want to, the school is never going to teach you that. The school is never going to teach you the basics of imaniyat, because that is the job of every home. That is the job of every person. And there's a number of lessons. At the beginning of this year, that's important for us to, to revise. That how do we view educational systems? Be it a school, be it a madrasa, be it a tutor. How do we view them? We view them as helpers and auxiliaries. The real teacher is the household. The real teacher is the mother and the father. Everybody else who has invested their time, paid or unpaid, feed or unfeed, or gratis, whatever the case may be, is an auxiliary helper unto a objective that I wish to claim, that I wish to gain. But the real onus and responsibility is upon me as a parent. Now if every single household thinks in that way, then we are the recipients of the advice of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who says, anfusakum wa ahlikum nara, Save yourself and your family from the fire of Jahannam. But respected friends, where it comes to the raising of aulad and the raising of children, a principal household never ever attempts to buy love and respect and affection from their own children. If a person desires respect from their very household, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will grant respect because of that household standing up on deen, standing up on salah, standing up on the principles which are established in deen. And if, a parent feels that I have not fulfilled any parental responsibility, then dishing out money or holidays or anything of the dunya does not buy respect in any way. At the most, or at the worst rather, should I say the worst, what it does do is that it, re- it reinforces a negative lesson. That whenever I do something wrong, all I need to do is to put my hands in the pocket and make it right. So that same lesson goes as a young man. You know what? I wasn't driving correctly. Billah. I need to put my hand in my pocket and make it right when I'm pulled over. Billah. I am not faithful to my wife. All I need to do is to put my hand in my pocket, pull out some gold, pull out some bullion, pull out some diamonds, and it's all sorted. I can carry on with my negative lifestyle one side, and everybody will be happy because I've bought my way out of that problem. I've bought my way out of that issue. Where does this negative lesson start from? It starts from those very same observances. That when you observe a senior in your household knows that, you know what, I'm not the best person, I've got too many faults, I don't want to acknowledge it. I would rather keep my own children, uh, you know, fictitiously respectful of me, because I buy them the things of this dunya, buy them the things of this world. That simply now in continues the negativity which is seen generation to generation, and there is never any positivity that comes out of there. Rather, a household that is established on Tawbah and introspection. That if we did something wrong, why I did something wrong, admit it and say that I did something wrong. I'm making tawbah unto Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I'm asking for your forgiveness ultimately at the end of the day. Whether you may choose to do so immediately or not, or realize what a mistake was that was committed, I, I, I can only put it in the hands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But I can take solace from this one fact, that Nabi sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, that whoever takes out a debt... Let's say it's a legitimate debt, a financial. This is in reference to a monetary debt. A person who takes out a legitimate monetary debt, and he has the full intention to pay back the people who he took it out from, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will assist that person. If that person's intention was to run away and to rob, then obviously no help from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to come. But his intention was genuine. The need was also genuine. The help of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will come. We also have social debts that we incur from time to time. And those social debts are personal mistakes that a person could possibly make. That I was observed doing something wrong, having a negative habit, and I was observed by the people who I should have been the best example for. I now have made tawbah. I have now repented unto Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and joined the best of company. For remember, genuine tawbah really entails, tawbah is there on its place, but ultimately the sohbah, the companionship of a person is also very important and a key ingredient to keep a person on the straight and narrow to begin with. Let's assume a person did that then what a person does is that a person shows accountability to all and sundry. That that is a social debt that I need to pay. My trust is in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who knows my sincerity. If that person be genuinely sincere, then the very same people who ran away far, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will bring them back. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will bring them back because this is the system of Allah that every person is born upon a fitrah. The fitra and disposition of a child is to gravitate towards the parents no matter what they did. The fitra of a mother is to forgive the son and the daughter no matter what they did. Hindrances are there. But if that tawba and if that you know if that acknowledgement also goes with that individual, then that fitra and the quality of, of inclination will now return once again. In conclusion, my respected friends, my respected brothers and listeners. At the beginning of the year, when those choices are made, that I'm putting my child in this particular institution, alhamdulillah, put your trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but acknowledge the fact that that institution can only do so much for me. Ultimately, the real teacher is myself. And that institution will do their level best. But when that child is under my roof, for a X number of hours, which is the majority, I need to reinforce the lessons of what it means to be a good Muslim. And I need not be an absent parent. Dropping off my child at 4.35 a.m. in the morning for a hips class is not the job of his mother and his auntie and his grandmother. It is the job of the father. Now if that father is too busy in the Premier League and all the leagues every night, and he is now into every single competition that takes place, where do you expect him to be driving straight at 5 o'clock in the morning, which is actually Fajr time anyway. But if that father acknowledges that the drop-off, the pick-up, the sabak, all of that there is my responsibility, because simply this child is not a trophy child. That at the end of the completion of Hivs or the Alim course, I'm holding up a trophy. I've got one Molana in the family, I've got one Hafiz in the family. There are no trophies, people are not trophies. But rather they are part of the effort itself. And the effort warrants every single time expenditure, every day of the week, be it on a holiday as well. And the responsibility, the physical responsibility, and the dua responsibility of making dua for the hidayat and guidance and ultimate success is the father's responsibility and the mother. But primarily, who anfusakum is directed towards the male gender first, that you take that responsibility of ensuring that my household, at least if doesn't produce a hafiz, doesn't produce an alim, Produces a jannati, which is our responsibility. Produces a person who is liable and welcomed in paradise in jannah, which is the ultimate responsibility of the household of every believer. Everything else is an extra, but the primary responsibility is the basic requirements of what a Muslim needs.